You'll Die Trying contains sensitive subject matter and conversations surrounding death and dying and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is respectfully advised. I don't even wear glasses. I bought these glasses for my then six-year-old, who is now seven years old, Everett, who had to get glasses, who actually puts in contacts on his own. But nonetheless, we're sitting around, and he's like, I don't want to wear these. I don't want to wear these. He's already had his mother take him, and he refused to try anything on. Well, I was like, why don't you pick a pair out for me? Anyway, I used some reverse psychology on him, and I picked these out for me, and he picked a similar pair out to to match him. Might have, there's, there's, there's no prescription in there. What's going on, everybody? It's Waddy T. How are you triers doing? So much has happened since 127. I mean, apparently TikTok has embraced me. What happened was, <laughs> never, never think you're going to get a dull story when a story starts. What happened was Haley, who is our social media manager, was following me around on a tour that I give every single year to our high school students, my alma mater, Owensboro Catholic High School, go aces. They come and they get a tour. I give them the scenario that they are Mr. Smith and they're 82 and they have just passed away at the hospital locally here. And I wanted to show them all points of our care. We start in the arrangement room and we make our way all the way through. I think what I've learned, the biggest and most valuable thing that funeral directors are able to do is we are able to genuinely meet you where you are. Meaning, if you are at your lowest of lows, we will meet you there. We will follow you there. And as you raise out of that and into a level of joy or contentment, we meet you there as well. We are able to be genuine all along the way. And that tour itself was me meeting these high school students where they are. As a 36-year-old, as a business professional, they're standing in a suit. I could have given them jargon jargon that was more formal, more by the book, if you will. Instead, I spoke to them in a way in which I knew that they wanted to be spoken to, not to mention a few of those students we had recently served. Recently, as in one month or less. So the delicacy when we enter into the care center, words matter. I've always said that, especially in this podcast in life. You know, you are so hypersensitive to the way you say things, what you say, how and why. And along the way, you trip up sometimes, but nonetheless, you are original, you are authentic, and you are real. Fast forward, that tour was filmed. Haley, who I just referred to, posted a clip of that onto Tiki Talk. Unbeknownst to me, it generates over 60,000 views, and then she posts a follow-up, which is part two, which generates, to date, last I looked, over 1.7 million views, and... We are at over 31,000 followers and counting. We are trying to moderate these comments and respond to all good, bad, negative, positive, in a way in which is loving. 
thought-provoking and kind. Nonetheless, because of all of this that has happened within the last week, what better episode to release than a, a raw episode? A You'll Die Trying raw episode. My alma mater comes and visits. Haley actually filmed most all of this tour that I gave, unbeknownst to me once again. And that audio and video are available right this second on this podcast. And of course, are streaming where some of your content you do receive. As always, though, this podcast and the ones before it and after are sponsored exclusively by, yep, Big Turkey Foot Coffee. Yum. Big Turkey Foot. You can grab it over at YDT or you'lldietrying.com. Grab a bag, grab some swag, fill that mug over there with some of that delicious brown brew. It's absolutely delicious. Hats off to the crew over at Big Turkey Foot Coffee. And also, just a reminder, every week, simultaneously as You'll Die Trying episodes drop, so do You'll Die Trying the Obituary. Every week, you will get a take, a maybe more lighthearted take on the content that I am talking about. So it's a podcast about a podcast. And of course, EFF Express Funeral Funding, who supports funeral homes and families on the back end, as well as this podcast, You'll Die Trying. How they do, you say? Well, the days of handshakes, of course, still are important, but funeral homes and funeral directors cannot rely on those for funds. We require and need payment up front so that we can carry out all of our dignified care to the best of our abilities. EFF works on the back end with the insurance companies, assigning proceeds to cover those expenses so it doesn't have that lingering balance due looming over the heads of those in which we are serving. So that also funeral directors can do their jobs exquisitely well, allowing for families to gather, grieve, and remember on the front end, the most important end, while EFF works tirelessly on the back end to support these families and their financial needs. Also, they have an option called family pay. If there are proceeds that exceed the funeral balance, sure, family can get those in advance as well. It is family pay. It is real. Please visit expressfuneralfunding.com to learn the invaluable, invaluable ways in which they serve our families and serve the funeral homes themselves. Season two. Episode 128, a show which pulls back the curtain, especially this episode, tears down the walls brick by brick, exposes the true hearts of those who are caring for those we love most. All right, let's dive in. This is my alma mater. These are the seniors at Owensboro Catholic High School. We are giving a tour. Mr. Smith is 82 years old. He has just passed away at the hospital. And I wanted to show them how Mr. Smith doesn't just magically appear in a casket, in a chapel. All, there are so many more steps for reverent dignified, delicate, unique care. And these are the things in which we do. Hello, ladies. Hello, ladies. Go straight, second entry, turn left. Hello, gentle lads. I haven't seen you before. Hey guys, what's up? Seen y'all. Seen y'all recently. Hey, 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 how ladies? Hello, hello, hello. What's up? Been jamming. How you doing, brother? And right now you're actually in a room that's original to this funeral. Uh, 1860 is built. Dr. William Sturman built it for his wife. Dude ran out of money. It was Penn Sturman's folly, basically because it was a failure, so to speak. He uh, sold it. 
to a prominent tobacco farmer in 1913. This guy finishes it, and then it becomes a historical landmark, houses uh, this loaded dude, and he has the biggest parties that Owensboro actually arguably has seen, hosts uh, famous people, notable people, and there's a lot of really cool history to this place. And if you looked outside when you're looking up, there's that steeple, so to speak. It had a spiral staircase that was up to four stories. Now it's three. During World War II, they chopped off a story and then donated all the steel to the spiral staircase to the war effort. Literally, you would throw it on the side of the road and they'd come pick it up, throw it in the truck. So this was a working funeral home in 38. Before that, we were on, how many of you know where the old first security bank is in the parking garage? It's a two-story parking garage. That was our livery service and stable. So old men in top hats with their horse and carriage would go and pick up the dead. Either put them in the horse and carriage, take them to the livery, or they would go to their kitchen table at the people's houses in which the loved one passed away, and, and they would have bombed them on the kitchen table. Or a portable table. Yeah, it was crazy. People were weird back there, right? Uh, and then this started to house visitations and funerals in 38, and then in 66, you look on that wall there. Owensboro Funeral Home, which was on Frederick Street where the VFW is. If you know where the VFW across from Brescia, there's a parking lot between that and AT&T, that's where the Owensboro Funeral Home was. So in 66, they merged here, Haley Muniz and Owensboro. 2016, Haley Muniz Funeral Home and Crematory. So it's been here for forever. Literally, employees have lived upstairs and died. So, I mean, it's it's taken care of as far as, since it's a funeral establishment, 15,000 or so families. But way more than that come through our care. Because in this room, this is where it starts. This is uh, the arrangement room. This is where stories are told, stories are shared. And then we as funeral directors, and I've told you all before, have two days to get it right. To celebrate what it is this person represented how they lived, how they thrived, how they raised a family, and we got two days to get it right. We put all these details together, favorite colors, music, clothing, everything. It has to be perfect. It starts here. So from this point on, you are Mr. Smith. You're 82 years old. You just died at the hospital. I don't think you all have done the tour at the hospital. I don't know if y'all will. There's no reason to. It's a morgue. It's a room with a cooler. So you think they don't just get here magically, right? So when someone dies at the hospital, Miss Smith, little sweet little lady is by the bedside. The family, the nurse comes up to the family and they say, who is going to be caring for Mr. Smith? Well, you're dead in the bed. And Mrs. Smith says, hey, let me get his funeral home. He's caring for Mr. Smith. Well, what they do is they step out of the room and make a call to us, two o'clock in the morning, one in the morning, 11 o'clock. It's amazing. You go all day. You sit there and twiddle your thumbs. Like right now, it's kind of quiet. You mark my word and we go to lock the doors today. The phone will ring off the hook and it won't stop. 11 o'clock at night is kind of a weird time, but that's when people tend to die a lot more. And we answer the phone, we're swift to act. We literally put our, put our suits on. We actually don't even really even see anybody, believe it or not. You know that saying, who are you and I'm not looking? It's critical. Character, 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 habit. We go and receive that love phone. You and Mr. Smith are in the morgue at that time because from the time the hospital calls us, Mrs. Smith has said our goodbyes until she'll see him again. And then she leaves, and then the nurses will then transfer. Have you ever walked through a hospital and looked, and it looks almost like there's a food tray, a cart walking by you? Have you ever, have you ever seen that? Any head? You remember that? You have probably walked by a dead person, and you just didn't know it. It's a long table, it has like a drape over top of it, it's blue. I always thought it was a food cart. No, there's a dead person under there. So that's how they get them from the rooms, discreetly, right? Hiding in plain sight to the morgue. We receive them. From the morgue. It's a room with a cooler. 
we have a cot. I told you all about that, I think. The cot that looks like an ambulance, right? Um, you all probably maybe even experienced it, <coughs> even recently. And I will tell you all, we're going to be going through the entire care, right? I will show you all places and spaces that the public don't necessarily see. I mean, they can. We can welcome at any time because my goal is to pull back that curtain. I want you all to feel comfortable. I want you all to feel safe and say, okay, obviously I'm young. I don't have anything to worry about right now. I'm going to live to be old and wrinkly and gross looking. But for now, I'm vibrant, healthy, and lovely, right? Um, but we want you to feel safe. If at any point throughout this process, you're like, man, yeah, I don't want to go over there. I get it, you know, especially those of us who have recently lost people. So, I mean, I understand. Um, but I want you all to experience what the family experiences, right? So this is the most important part. But before this even begins, the phone rings. So pay attention because at the end of it, I'm gonna ask some questions, all right? Let's roll. This is what we call a care center. So not only does this care center care for Haley McGinnis loved ones, we have, again, 10 locations, and we also have contracts with national providers where if someone from California dies, then we'll care for them here and arrange for transport accordingly. If you look up in the sky, we have closed circuit monitor. It's not something that anyone can have access to as far as cameras are concerned, but this is the most reverent of places and spaces, and no one is to perform anywhere but above exceptional. Uh, not something that you can access unless there was an instance where a family said, hey, my dad had a Rolex, where the heck's the Rolex? And we can, of course, pull that from an IT department and see that, hey, we didn't do anything with the Rolex. Does that make sense? It's just an integrity thing, and we want to make sure that everyone is performing reverently. But Mr. Smith's body is on the cot. If you look to your left, that's a cot. Not that old one. That old one's about 50 years old. I'm talking about that simply because we've had such a high volume. I mean... It's, it's crazy. A lot of people are saying it's COVID, and it has been COVID, but now you have baby boomers, baby boomers. Right after World War II, they started coming along, and now we have such a high population for the next 15 years, they're saying that death rates are just going to keep up. So, Mr. Smith's body is on a cot. The cot rolls into here. From down this way. You don't follow me. You don't have to be too scared unless you don't want to. It's totally fine. The loved one's place is on this cot. This is the head end. That's a foot end. Why does it matter? It does matter because the hand, that's essentially a handle and you're steering. Does that make sense? So you're pushing the loved one. It's also good to be next to the loved one's face on a home transfer. If someone dies at home, we do not cover your face. That's a blanket. We will not cover your face unless we get asked for permission. I always like to say something uh, as lovely as, with your blessing, I'd like to cover Mr. Smith. It is, it is cold out because it is cold. Right? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be in my PJs out there. I think it's a very reverent thing to do. We, we drape a loved one's body with a flag if they're a veteran. Uh, we know all these things going into this. So Mr. Smith is placed on one of these two bombing tables, depending upon how busy we are. And with how busy we are, we don't know which one. So the cat, the, the cot, excuse me, is going to be placed to one side or the other. I always place the cot to the left side. I don't know why, it's just my thing, because I'm left-handed. Then I'll go to the other side of the table. Other side of this table here, the cot, after I unlatch the belts, right? The sheet that is probably going to be under him, if you died at the hospital, then you're actually in what's called a body bag. It looks, on movies, really crazy and scary. It's so over-embellished, it's not. It's a thin plastic, it's simply for universal precautions. You have to assume that everybody has every disease in the world. Does that make sense? I have kids, I don't give anything to my kids, so you just have gloves and a gown, and you're ready to roll, right? So I'll literally take under his arm, and I grab his leg that's furthest away. Follow me? So I slowly start to pull, 
Now I know that I have the momentum, then I go and get a 10. Because I don't want him to, it's okay. <laughs> I saw your face. So I don't want his head to flop. I think it's respectful. So you grab their head and you slowly put them on this table. Alright, so now they're on the table. If they're still in the bag, then you just do some maneuvering. If you ever had to roll with the kid, if you ever changed the diaper or anything like that, it's similar, honestly. Get caught out of the way, take the body bag out from under, take them out of the bag, place them into biohazard. Um, and then any gowns, gloves, anything that, not yeah, gloves, excuse me, gowns, they would go in here. This is dirty laundry that gets laundered. So now you have Mr. Smith, they're on the table, right? Uh, you have a courtesy cloth on you because obviously, I don't know about you, but I just want to be sprawled out, you know, naked. I think that's disrespectful. So, uh, we have a courtesy cloth, and then, you all seen loved ones in a casket, right? Okay. So they don't just magically appear in that position. It's called positioning. It's critical. I'm going to get some gloves on and show you what we use. Always glove up. Don't touch anything. Nothing to worry about, but just don't touch anything. I mean, I, I wouldn't advise you to like, eat a sandwich off the floor or anything like that. They're That's a tough, tough crowd. I always thought that was funny. I told them not. But I was in Phoenix the other day, and our driver said, Hey, are you a stand-up comedian? And he was dead serious. And I said, Hell no, I'm not, but thank you. I knew I was funny. This is a block. Headlock, arm block, whatever you want the block to be. So some elderly people are hunched over, right? So how do you make them look natural? So this block can do anything. It can go like that if they're hunched over. Let's say they're a bigger person. It can go like that. It can go like that. You know what I'm saying? This guy's the limit. You want the position of the head to be perfect. Because the first two things you look at when you walk up to a loved one's casket, whether you know it or not, are their hands, their mouth. Hands and mouth. It's very important. So it's my job to make sure that they're positioned properly. This is also an arm block. Well, some people are built bigger. I'm a skinny guy, right? But some people who are bigger, the arm block has to push the arm up higher so it gets that hand on that belly, right? Or they have really long arms and they've lost a lot of weight. Sometimes you don't even need a block. The goal is left over right. Why don't we put the left hand over right? Come on, just take a body band. There you go, two gold stars. Wedding band. Most people, they want to see those rings. Show me that pinky ring. <laughs> Left over right. You always have a kind of a cupped hand if you can. Nobody lays their hands like this. It's never like that. That's weird. Right. So left over right. Legs are straight. Heads positioned. Right. So now you've done, you're doing a pre-embalming analysis. What that is is I'm looking at Mr. Smith. You have a scar on your chest. What is that indicative of? Big long scar. What would you think? Boom. What do you think would that mean as far as if you're an embalmer? Poor what? Boom! Ten more gold stars, Mr. Hardesty. <laughs> no, that's right. So the reason I say that is because every human body is every human body is different, right? I mean, if I died right this second, I would probably be the easiest embalming anyone's in this room as far as embalmers have had in a long time. My circulatory system is good, I'm healthy, as far as I know. But Mr. Smith, you show signs of heart disease and open heart surgery. See all these chemicals up here? They're not just, they're, they're all different. They all do a different thing. They all have different chemicals within them that either A, help alleviate blood clots, because if you've had heart surgery, and you've been sick, and you're under hospice, for instance, 
The medication that they give you will oftentimes clot your blood. It's just how it works. Or maybe they're giving you blood thinners, right? So now your blood is thin and you bleed easily. Well, some of this will help. So maybe you have what's called edema. A lot of people, young people especially, if you are uh, sick and they're trying to keep fluid off, they're trying to give you fluids because you're dehydrated or something, you can develop what's called edema. It's where the fluid that's in your system, I'm not a doctor, I don't know, sounds good, it, it escapes from your circulatory system and it goes into your capillaries. Capillaries are kind of like little tiny things that go up to your skin, so your skin swells and you get fluid in your skin. And it's, it's awful, it can be actually painful. There are chemicals that fix all that stuff. Whole goal for Mr. Smith is for their family to have a good, positive experience with their loved one when they go to have visitation. What do you put the chemicals like in the mouth? I will show you next. Right. So down the pre-embalming analysis, Mr. Smith is ready to start. We do what's called two tags. On scene, we tag on scene. Meaning, on the left angle, we write first and last name of the loved one, the date and location. So if you have 10 locations, obviously HM stands for AF Crow would be AFC, etc., etc. And then when we get going on here, on that computer, we then generate what's called a barcode. Sounds stupid, sounds almost disrespectful, but you would be amazed at how age of women. They all look the same. Pretty little goofy gray hair. Everybody's got 10 of them. That's Christine. It's like, is this one going on? This one. But you just look at the barcode, you look at the double tag, you're in good shape. Follow me? Accountability. You cannot mess this up. It is irreversible. So I'll be damned if wrong clothes go on somebody. Follow me? That's how we think. So, tags, all that squared away. We literally scan through the process too. So when they're in our hair, when they're bomb, when they're dressed, when they're cosmetized, we literally have processes for processes. When they get the shackle, we literally have barcodes, we'll show you, that are on the door, right, in the jacket. This casket, this Smith and the casket, is gonna be rolled down this area, on the elevator, and upstairs to the backstage area to then go to the appropriate location. All right, so cosmetics will happen, by the way, usually the day after. So arrangements happen, get your clothes, this station the following day, it's like, okay, I can do the prospects this afternoon, which is probably the day after a post-embalming, or uh, the next morning before the loved one goes out for their scheduled visitation. Okay? So now you can say you've been to a care center. This is literally like a logistical mess sometimes. I mean, Chris is at the desk, Christine's, I'm glad I don't have no job. It gets pretty long. But now you can say you've been to a care center. All this stuff's going on in the front. You have visitation. People are saying, where's the restroom? Do you have a restroom? Don't go to a place and say, do you have a restroom? Yes, they have a restroom. Just say, may I use your restroom? Or can you point me to the restroom? We don't. Anyway, I won't say my job. So back here is where the casket would then, would then go. Mr. Smith's going to be in the chapel. So Mr. Smith's being literally rolled. One person on one end, one person on the other end. We'll go right this way. Every funeral home has hidden hallways. There's always stuff happening behind the scenes. To your left is what's called an urn arc. An urn arc is if someone has cremation, it wishes to be cremated, they place their urn in that arc, and you can have visitation just the same. So this is literally a chapel. Everyone's seen the chapel. It looks like nothing. It looks weird and stupid almost, but it actually can become a really, really cool 
a place where memorabilia and items that are important to this loved one, flower arrangements that are incredible can be placed around here. We're super, super committed to being unique and different. Like anybody can put a funeral on, anybody. If you're a funeral home, you sell a casket, you have a vault, you put somebody in the ground, cool. Everybody can wear a suit, everybody can have a pretty nice home, everybody can have some cool furniture, and not everyone can create the, the experience. That's why your parents took you to Disney. That's why you remember your trip to Disney because it was an experience. You left and you felt it in your loins. You love it. It doesn't matter. I didn't even take my damn kids to Disney one time. I took just Megan and me went. I'm not kidding. <laughs> we're like, screw all y'all, we're going to Disney. Like, that's a real thing. So that's what we're committed to here. Funerals don't have to be just humdrum and heavy. Yes, there's a grief aspect to it, and that's real. And I don't know why we are just like, let's not talk about it. Let's sweep it under the rug. No, let's, let's, let's hug it out. Let's cry. Let's talk about it. This sucks. I get it. But isn't it awesome that my dad did this? Isn't it great that my grandfather did this? Look at all these people that have come from around the country or the state to just pay their respects. That's cool. It gives me goosebumps. This is important. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how simple you want to be remembered. It doesn't matter if you have a lot or a little. You're worthy, right? So this room is that. This wallpaper here was put on overnight. My late partner and dear friend, Jack Wells, you probably heard of his name. We cared for him. This wallpaper was in his bedroom at, his, at the Enclave, at his house, that he was his dream. He wanted it forever. He grew up dirt poor in Fordsville, Kentucky, and he said he wanted something different. So the night before, we had a crew come in here and put the damn wallpaper up so that when the family came in for the visitation, wallpaper, his wallpaper in his bedroom, and it's still up there to pay respect to him. That's the stuff that we do that's different. Um, it's important. I don't care if you shovel dirt. Oh, I could care less if you shovel dirt, but you better be the best dirt shoveler in the world and be kind to the person to your left and to your right, right? So you have visitation in here, Mr. Smith, the family comes, and if you are ever in this hallway or this line, excuse me, and you're waiting and you're getting closer, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna say to Mrs. Smith, I don't freaking know what to say to Mrs. Smith, I'm nervous, right? All you gotta say is this, love you, thinking about you, praying for you. Please don't say I'm sorry for your loss, even though your intentions are good and you mean well, and if you've said it before, don't beat yourself up. But are you, and are you? You know, words matter, remember that. Just give them a hug. They'll remember nothing you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So just give them a hug, pat them on the back, go on, go look at the items that are on display, talk to some people that are around that are probably nervous too. Um, and then go on about go on about yourself. One thing I was told before you would start working at the funeral home was go to the funeral, go to the visitation, right? Because that's important to people. You know, I don't want to go. It's cold or it's dark or I didn't know them well. It doesn't matter. Just be present for them. You know, um, and that's that's what my job is. That's that's what we do night and day. I mean, I don't I don't care until I. You don't retire from this profession. You die. Really? I mean, like it's in you. It's you sacrifice a lot to be available to you, but it's also cool to know the people in your community, the drop of a hat, and some of you have personally experienced it, know that I'm gonna be there. Like literally within 20 minutes, it's almost weird how quickly I get there and they're like, oh, well, you got here kind of quick. I kind of needed a few more minutes, but it's important. No bigger honor than to be called to care for somebody that you love. But after you are having your visitation, you're gonna go to the church because we're all Catholics and we all have Catholic mass. That's what we do. If you're not Catholic, it's fine. You can have it here. We're pushing this casket. If you know what this is called right now, I swear to you, not you, Mr. Archie. If you know what this is called right now, not you, Christine, because I know how you're all <laughs> bonusing. 
I'll give you $100 right this second if you know what that's called. Which one? Don't. I wasn't. No, because you're going to tell them. You're going to whisper to somebody. No. It's called a beer. B-I-E-R. Not what you drink. Beer. What's this called? Not a kneeler. What's it? What's it? Pray do. What? Pray do. It's pray do. Beer. Pray do. Boom. The beer rolls around this wall. You carry down a set of stairs. You're loaded into a hearse. Then you're taken to the church in a procession. Right? Following me? You go and you have your pallbearers, you go and you have your mass, and then you go to your cemetery. So here, we're in charge. We're going to make sure everything is coordinated, calculated. Never point, by the way. Hospitality 101. Don't ever do this. That's ugly and gross. Open hand. Right, Christine? Mm -hmm. Hey, where's the restroom? Am I taking you there? Like, not really. But <laughs> yes, see, that's what we do. Say, absolutely, we write this way, please. And you start to S with them that way. Obviously, don't go into the room with them. That'd be kind of weird. Uh, stand outside and wait for them. Stand outside and wait for them. Hospitality at a, at a hotel, if you've ever been to a really nice hotel, it aligns with what we do. Sounds weird. The worlds are similar. The worlds are similar. Be genuine. Be kind. It's not rocket science to take care of people. It's not. Season 2, episode 128, a raw visit from my alma mater. Yep. Hey, if you have TikTok, come find me at Nathan Morris Music. If you have Instagram, come find me at Nathan Morris at You'll Die Trying Podcast. I'll tell you this, be kind, please rewind. That's what Blockbuster used to say. Instead of rewind, why don't you just be kind? The world needs it. I mean, if you don't want to be kind there are way more nice people in the world and they're just going to call you out so just just be kind no this is great i think you have an incredible opportunity where you are and i'm seeing that now with the platform as it continues to grow you know i can i can choose to go this route a or i can choose to go this route b or i can just stop i mean it'd be easier to just stop but i choose the route of honesty and real and authentic because people long for it. They don't necessarily even think that they do, but they're drawn to it. And that's why so many people have been drawn to that one video. 1.7 million. That's a lot of people. That's absurd. I, I, it blows my mind. Be authentic, be real, be genuine, be kind. And I'll see you at 129.